praying earlier, I just uh, read this scripture while we were praying before the meeting, and I feel God wants me to declare it over you. This is what it says in Song of Songs. It's a book by Solomon, and uh, the two characters in the book, there's, uh, there's the beloved and there's the lover and lots of commentators talk about them in terms of being uh, an allegory of the church and Christ and uh, the beloved uh, which will be the church is is saying this I just want to read this awake north wind and come south wind blow on my garden that its fragrance may spread abroad let my lover come into his garden and taste its choice fruits And I feel like what God will want to say to us this morning, uh, is that your heart? Is that your heart's cry this morning? Jesus, come amongst us by your spirit. Come here this morning by your spirit. Come move amongst us, your church, your people. May the fragrance of Christ spread far abroad. Is that your heart's cry? That the fragrance of Jesus, the aroma of Christ would be on your life but spread around in the community that you, maybe you work in, the community you live in. And this, it just says this at the end. Let my lover come into his garden and taste its choice fruits. Do you want Jesus to come and meet with you this morning? If you do... And you have this sense of expectancy. Let me tell you, he is here amongst us this morning and he's going to meet with you. I'm going to read some verses from Colossians chapter 1 verses 9 to 14. And there's just a phrase in this that we're going to pick up this morning. This is what it says. The words will come behind me on the screen. It's from the New International Version. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives, so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, So that you may have endurance and patience and giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. And it's this phrase... That you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work. That's what we're going to focus on today. In fact, that's the the new series that we're starting over, that's going to run over the next months. We're talking about fruitfulness. Why are we talking about fruitfulness? Well, the answer is simple. The the Bible, and more particularly Jesus, have, have a lot to say about it. We live in days when there's huge pressure on us as followers of Jesus to conform to the pattern of this world. The truth is it's always been that way. And Paul exhorted the church not to conform to the pattern of this world but to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. The expectation right throughout the Bible is that we would live fruitful lives. 
And in this brief passage from Colossians, Paul is praying for the believers in Colossae to know the will of God so that they could live lives worthy of him, bearing fruit in every good work. I don't know about you. Do you want to bear fruit this year? Do you want this year to be the most fruitful year that you've ever known? So what is biblical fruitfulness? I mean, it's easy to identify what it's not. Fruitfulness is not just being successful, whether that's relationally, getting married, having, bringing up children. It's not in terms of, just in terms of career, in terms of having responsibility and influence. It's not about just being materially successful in terms of home, a good pension, a standard of living. It's not about being physical. It's not just about uh, education, being a straight-A student, having a degree, a master's, a PhD. It's not about socially being successful, having lots of friends, maybe lots of holidays. It's not in terms as a church about just growing and attendance and how much people give. As far as Jesus is concerned, bearing fruit is so much more than that. All of those things are good and they're things for us to enjoy and to celebrate. And they're given to us graciously by God. Yet without a relationship with God through Christ, they are ultimately meaningless. You see, some people interpret fruitfulness in terms of faithfulness. And there's loads of good scriptural justification for doing that. Jesus, in his parable of the talents, commends our faithfulness with the gifts, the abilities, and the resources that he gives us. Faithfulness is important to God. And yet some people rely on that as as an expression just of doctrinal purity and holiness. We'd all agree with that in principle. But it's led to some from interacting from the world around them, from withdrawing. And church becomes almost like a safe haven from the world outside. And a consequence of that is smallness is a sign uh, uh, that's celebrated in in terms of faithfulness. Smallness is a small remnant. Being a a small remnant of a a church is a, a good thing. Many have argued over the years wrongly. Faithfulness is a key biblical quality. But first and foremost, it's about our faithfulness to Christ and his gospel. Holiness is seen from the way uh, we interact uh, with those around us. Our faith being expressed in a broken and sin-sick world. And in the New Testament, there are two distinct but linked elements to fruitfulness. See, it's not just about faithfulness. Faithfulness is really important, but the Bible talks a lot about fruitfulness. Paul talks about the importance of his fruitful labor. And by that he means his his efforts in reaching people and telling them about Jesus. And sharing the good news of what Jesus has done. What we've been celebrating this morning as we've been breaking bread. 
In, earlier in the, to the Colossians, he says this, all over the world, this gospel is bearing fruit and growing just as it has been doing amongst you since you, the day you heard about it. Changed lives. Fruitfulness is about changed lives. Our lives being day by day changed and people's lives around us in the community that we, we live in being changed as well by the good news of what Jesus has done. Secondly, Paul refers to fruit in terms of good deeds or good character. And whilst that's evidence in how we live and by what we do, the, fr- that the fruitfulness that the Bible celebrates always emanates from a heart and life that is completely submitted to Christ. Tim Keller talks about what Paul is saying, uh, and he talks about it in terms of uh, 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 about us being uh, God's garden. Paul talks about us being God's garden, about planting and nurturing churches in that way, in terms of gardening. The church is the field. The gardeners are those who bring the good news about Jesus. And those gardeners must be faithful. They must be faithful, but they must be skillful if they want to be successful. But ultimately, the degree of the success, the size of the harvest, the amount of fruit that comes, is down to God. It's down to God. God is the one who gives the growth. Fruitfulness depends on weather conditions. We know that. It's God who causes there to be fruit to grow. We do our bit, but it's God who gives the growth. Fruitfulness is always measured in terms of lives being changed by the gospel. People coming to know Jesus and us becoming more like Jesus as we grow in our faith. And I want to pick up five biblical themes as we explore this theme of fruitfulness. And the first thing that I want us to grasp is this. That as far as God is concerned, there is an expectation of fruitfulness. An expectation. God expects fruitfulness. We had uh, someone called Julian Adams with us in March uh, 2010. And uh, he's someone who's a a prophet. He comes in and he, he speaks over churches and over people what God is saying to them about their future and how God wants to change things. And he came here and he, this is what he said. The church here has been at a well of contention, but God is taking you to the well of fruitfulness. God is taking us to the well of fruitfulness. God will lift the ceiling of just enough and to take us to more than enough. God is unlocking a well of favor and extension. In the Bible, fruitfulness is a command, not a choice. God doesn't give us an option when we wake up in the morning. There isn't an option, well, I'm, not, I'm going to be fruitful today, or I, I'm not going to be, I can't be bothered today. God expects us to be fruitful. If you are a follower of Jesus and you love Jesus, you've given your life to him, God wants your life and expects your life to be fruitful expects it 
Listen to just a few verses from Paul's letter to the Philippians. Rejoice in the Lord always. Don't be anxious about anything. Paul doesn't say, well, if you feel like it, rejoice. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. He doesn't say, well, if you're worried, I can understand that. He says, don't be anxious about anything. In everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. There's no choice there. These are imperatives. Paul is encouraging and saying this is how we ought to be every day. Every day we get out of the right side of the bed because God is with us and God loves us and God's spirit dwells within us if we belong to Jesus Christ. God created us in his image for fruitfulness. In Genesis it says, God blessed them and said, be fruitful. It's what we were made for. In Genesis the emphasis was on procreation, on having children, But from that moment, the theme of fruitfulness develops through the scriptures. God wants us to live fruitful lives. He promises to Abraham that he's going to make him fruitful and he's going to make him into a great nation. God wants us to be fruitful. I don't know about you, but do you find it frustrating when people don't use things as they were designed for? I mean, what is it about us... Uh, For those of you who've got dishwashers, why is it that some people wash dishes before they put them in the dishwasher? What's the point? It doesn't seem to be much point. Why would you do that? I heard a story the other day about someone who got stuck on an elevator. The elevator broke down and they got stuck. He got stuck on it. You get stuck in the lift. An elevator stops. You walk down. It's just moving stairs. You can't get stuck on an elevator. And someone literally stood on an elevator for a period of time because the elevator had broken. They didn't think to bother walking down the rest of the way. How crazy is that? Sometimes we can be a little like that in our lives. We blame other things. When things don't work, we blame. We, we put blame. We use blame as an excuse for not doing anything. We're not going to do anything. We stand static and still in our lives because something isn't working. And God said, what are you doing? Don't stand still. It's not about things. It's about me. The only way to live fruitful lives is not by trying harder. It's not by keeping a set of rules and regulations. It's to give our lives to Christ and live daily with our eyes fixed on him as we heard this morning. As we were encouraged during the worship. Fix our eyes on Jesus. Maybe you've come this morning and you've never given your life to Christ. Let me say to you, let me urge you, do that at the start of 2018. May today be the day that you fix your eyes on him. Because everything can stop. You can get off that stuck elevator. And you can move. Because he's with you. He has a purpose for your life. He has a plan and a purpose for you. For each one of us. 
He wants this year for us to be fruitful as a church, but as individuals. It's his promise for you. Are we running the race marked out for us? Are you running the race that God's marked out for or are you stuck? We reflect something of the nature of God when we live fruitful lives. It's not determined by circumstances. It's not determined by how things are going at the moment. It's not determined by stuff. You only have to read through the Old Testament. You read about Joseph who's in prison. Everything is going wrong and yet God makes him fruitful. He's fruitful in the place God puts him. Jesus is interested in there being fruit in our lives. You remember the story of a fig tree. He comes and he looks for fruit on the fig tree. He's here this morning and he's he's looking for fruit in our lives. He wants us to be fruitful. He's urging us to be fruitful. There's an expectation of fruitfulness. But more than that, it's about God wants us to have an environment for fruitfulness. I used to uh, be a planning officer many years ago. And I worked in local government back in South Wales. And, and, and to be honest, I, I worked uh, in places where I, I learned a lot of bad habits very quickly. And in fact, I wasn't a very good planning officer, if truth be told. I didn't know a lot about planning, and it didn't seem to matter in the places where I worked. And uh, I, eventually, I ended up here in South Hampshire, and I ended up working uh, for a planning consultancy. I, just, I ended up getting a job with them. I don't know how I got a job with them. But God opened a door, um, because if they knew what I was, uh, I was like, I'm sure they would never have given me a job. But the guy I worked for, I want to tell you, he was, he was the best planning officer I ever came across. And working for him, it, within a period of a year... Everything changed because the environment for fruitfulness in that career, everything started to come together. He was sharp. He made me think. He helped me understand. He, he taught me uh, about planning in, in ways that he, I don't think he even understood. I became a half-decent planning officer from the envir- because of the environment I worked in. It's about the environment. In Hosea... Chapter 14, verse 8, God says this, I am like a green pine tree. Your fruitfulness comes from me. God is the source of our fruitfulness. We can only live fruitful lives when Christ is central. Paul says, I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. I have been crucified with Christ. Every day we are to live cross-centered lives. What do I mean? We live lives at the foot of the cross where we know Jesus died for us and paid the penalty for our wrongdoing, our sin, to enable us to have a relationship with God so that we might know God's Spirit dwelling within us to enable us to live the life He wants us to live. That's what God wants for us. He wants us to live in that environment. When we live fruitful lives, we bring, bring glory to God. Jesus said, it is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit. And if we remain in him, we will bear fruit. Outside of Jesus, we can not do it. If we follow him, he will make us fruitful. But God must be at the center. 
So here are three keys for, to create an environment for fruitfulness this year. The first is this. We need to be people filled with the Spirit. Filled with God's Spirit every day. It's an ongoing command. We should be start every day asking God to fill us afresh. Fill me with your Spirit. Holy Spirit, come and help me live for God today. Help me know you with me at every moment, every decision I make. God, help me today. Is that your prayer? Let it be your prayer when you get up every morning. God, fill me with your Spirit today. We need to be people filled with the Spirit. We can easily lose sight of it. Paul challenges the Galatian church, are you so foolish, after beginning with the Spirit, are you now trying to attain your goal by human effort? It's what we do. We so easily step out of living with God's Spirit, full of God's Spirit, and we try to do it ourselves. We think we can do it ourselves. We just forget. Paul says, are you so foolish? This year, let this year be a year where we choose and we say, no, I'm going to rely on God's Spirit leading me. Let's be a people filled with the Spirit. We also need to be a people where the Word of God dwells within us richly. That's what it says in Colossians chapter 3, verse 16. Think about that word, richly. The Word of God to dwell in us richly. Most of the time, it's pretty sparse, richly. God, may your word dwell in me richly. God's word won't dwell in us richly if we don't read it. Every day, we ought to expect God to speak to us through his word. When you open your Bible, you should expect God to speak to you. Why don't you say this every morning when you open your Bible? God, today, may I see wonderful things in your word. That's what the psalmist said. Today, when I open your word, may I see wonderful things in your word. May your word today, may the word of God be a lamp for my feet. Where I go today, the decisions I have to make, whether in work or at home or in school or in university, at the school gate, God, give me, may your word be a lamp for my feet. Help me. How much trouble would we avoid if we did that? And quickly, the third thing to create an environment for fruitfulness is this, is that we should always pray and not give up. That's what Jesus taught us. He tells a parable about us praying and never giving up. I mean, we give up so easily. I don't know about you. Do you? I find, I, I find myself being caught. I, I, in a situation that's tough and I, I think, oh, I must pray. Oh, I, I, and I'd forgotten. It's so easy to do because we rely on our own abilities. God wants us to be a people who constantly rely on him. Let's be a people who know how to pray. You see, even while we struggle to pray, Jesus is in heaven praying for us. How encouraging is that? We need to live in an environment that's ripe for fruitfulness. We need to be a people who are filled with the Spirit. We need to be a people who love the Word of God, who pick it up every day because it's it's life and breath to them. Can't do without it. You're as hungry for reading from the Word of God as you are for your breakfast. And we're a people who know what it is to pray, who bring things to Him in prayer. 
We need to live in an environment of fruitfulness. The third thing is this. God wants us to know his encouragement for fruitfulness. In Romans chapter 7 verse 4, Paul says this. We died to the law through the body of Christ that we might belong to another. To him who was raised from the dead in order that we might bear fruit for God. That's God's desire for us. We have died with Christ. That's what we're celebrating. When Jesus died on the cross and rose from the dead, we died with him to our old way of living. That's what it means to be a follower of Jesus. So that we might bear fruit for God. We might live fruitful lives. God wants to make us more fruitful. Jesus, in John chapter 15, describes his church like branches on a vine. He says he is the true vine. There is only one way to God. Jesus says, it doesn't say, I am the vine. He says, I am the true vine. There's only one way to God. There's not a big mountain and Jesus is just one root up it. There is one way to God. That's what Jesus said. One way to God. He is the true vine. And we are the branches. We are grafted into him. We draw our life from him. And God, the Father, is the gardener. He looks after the vine. He cuts off branches that don't bear fruit and prunes those that do bear fruit for greater fruitfulness. You see, God's encouragement is for greater fruitfulness. And so he cuts off and he prunes and he works on the vine for fruitfulness. And there's a beautiful picture in the Old Testament. The children of Israel are are, are looking. God is calling them to go to the promised land, a land flowing with milk and honey, a land of fruitfulness. And uh, uh, Moses sends out spies to, to, to have a look at the land, see what it's like. And when they're there, they come to a place. They come to the Valley of Eshkol. When I was in Israel some years ago, I drove past, drive drove through this valley, this road, dipped down, and there was a sign on the side of the road, and it said Eshkol. And I thought, I I remember that was. And and I remembered, oh, it's the place where they found this, these big bunch of grapes. And the story that the the Bible tells us is that the spies find that the land is incredibly fruitful, and they cut this branch off a tree, and two of them on a pole have to carry this branch with grapes on Two of them have to carry it. It's not what you get in Sainsbury's. <laughs> this is these are serious, serious grapes. Serious fruitfulness. Two of them have to carry it. That is what God wanted. God wanted to bring them into a land of that kind of fruitfulness. And they messed it up. God wants for us this year to bring us into a place of fruitfulness. Fruitfulness that you can't even dream of or imagine. It's not being successful, it's fruitfulness. It's not about faithfulness, it's faithfulness and fruitfulness. God wants to make you fruitful. You see, sometimes the Father prunes the branches that are in the vine. Occasionally it's to remove dead wood. That's part of the vine that looks like it's living, but it isn't. He also prunes those who are in Christ. Sometimes it's to remove disease and stop it spreading. 
Sometimes the gardener removes anything that saps the energy of the vine to ensure its efforts go into producing more fruit. You see, God is working and wanted to work on us to improve the quality and the quantity of fruitfulness. He wants to remove anything that's infecting the church, infecting our lives. He wants to remove from us bad attitudes, grumpiness, bitterness, unforgiveness. Maybe there's something in the past that we're holding on to that's, that's just causing a blockage. And God wants to cut it off at the start of 2018. Because he wants you to be fruitful. He's not trying to hurt you. He wants you to be fruitful. God wants to prune us. Maybe there's, maybe there's something that's sapping our energy. Maybe there's something that started off as a hobby, but it's become an obsession. God wants to prune us because he wants us to be fruitful. Maybe we're worried over life and wealth and possessions and jobs and stuff. Jesus said, the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth and the desire for other things come in and squeeze the life of God out of us and make us unfruitful. That's what he says in Mark chapter 4 verse 19. Where does God need to do some pruning at the start of 2018? If he wants to prune, it's for our good and for the church's good and it will bring life and growth if we let him have a free hand. So whilst God encourages us to be fruitful, ultimately there has to be evidence of fruitfulness. Jesus makes it clear you can tell a tree by its fruit. Good trees don't produce bad fruit. And fruitfulness is principally seen in community, amongst us. It's how fruitfulness is seen in how we relate to one another and how we relate to the people that we mix with. The Bible gives us examples of fruitfulness. John the Baptist in Matthew 3 talks about the fruit of repentance. That's not a popular phrase in today's culture. It's something we often see missing from church life. Repentance, you see, is earthed in humility. It's recognizing that we make mistakes and we may may be wrong even when we think we're right. It's recognizing that we need God and and actually on our own we won't make it. Repentance is first and foremost towards God. It's not feeling sorry for ourselves. All too often we hear people talk about being sorry, but they just, it's a pity party. Repentance is recognizing that we've fallen short of God's standards. Repentance is saying, God, I've messed up. Please help me. Please come and set me free. Help me to walk with you. It's recognizing when we've done something wrong, when we've said something hurtful, and taking responsibility for it, and going and saying sorry. How many people do that? How many people in this last year do you know that have come and said to you, do you know, I shouldn't have done that, I'm really sorry? We should be a people who show the fruit of repentance. It's part of our worship. Hebrews talks about the fruit of lips that confess his name. What's the fruit of our lips? 
How often is Jesus part of our conversation? You see, the more he's at the center of our lives, the more we talk about him. Before we say anything, we ought to be asking ourselves, is this going to be helpful to the person I'm speaking to? Is it going to build them up? Is it kind? Am I I saying something about someone else that I haven't said to that other person? In which case we ought to stop. The fruit of lips that confess his name. Paul talks about the fruit of righteousness. The fruit of righteousness leaves a, a wholesome, a pleasant, lingering aroma. It's the aroma of Christ. It's being around someone, and when you're around them, you, they just do you good. Because they're wanting to live right before God. And the fruit of righteousness just creates an atmosphere, an aroma. You know what it is to go into a kitchen and there's, there's something off in the kitchen. There's something swelling and it's, it's a rag that's, it looks clean but it isn't. It leaves an aroma in the kitchen. We're to be those who leave the aroma of Christ wherever we go. Whether it's at the school gate, whether it's in a university lecture, whether it's in the office whether it's at home, whether it's with our neighbours in the street, we're to be those who leave the fruit of righteousness, the aroma of Christ. There shouldn't even be a scent of sexual immorality amongst us. A scent, not even the, the vaguest hint of it. It's not appropriate for God's people. And finally, Paul talks about the fruit of the Spirit. And that's what we're going to be looking at in the coming weeks. But the context of the fruit of the Spirit is not that we would be better people. It's that we would be the aroma of Christ to the world around. Fruitfulness is all about people seeing the gospel at work in us. Changing us, but impacting people that we meet. It's why as a church we major so much on the culture of the church. It's why we talk about community. It's why we talk about communicating the gospel. The three C's, the the things that underpin us as a church, as Hope Church. Evidence of fruitfulness. And finally, we're to be those who experience fruitfulness. It's for us to experience You may be thinking, well, that's all well and good, but if you knew what was going on in my life right now, Steve, you you just don't understand what it's like for me. It should make no difference. Fruitfulness is for every season of life. And in fact, if you're going through difficult times, actually the fruit will be sweeter. Went to Burgundy wine tasting some years ago. And when I went to, to Burgundy, one of the things I, I understood is that the, the, best, the best wine, the Grand Cru of wine, Burgundy, is produced. It comes from the grapes that are higher up on the slope, the vines that are higher up on the slope. Not those that are closest to the water. It's the, it's the vines that have to send their roots down sometimes a hundred feet through shale and rock and earth to find water. They have to battle through. But it's those vines that produce the best quality fruit. 
God says, if you're going through tough times, then you keep digging into him. If you dig into him, he will make you fruitful. Hallelujah. However tough it is. You see, Satan's challenge is always, they only worship me because you do good things for them. You make it easy for them because they're close to the water table and they can drink water straight away. God says that's not true. And so God allows difficulties. He allows us to be tested because it proves that we love him for who he is. And we worship him because he's worthy of our worship. And we've chosen to worship him because he is our God, not because he does good things for us. We worship him for who he is. And as we do that, our roots go down through the difficulties and the hardness of circumstances. And we find sustenance in the most difficult moments. And I tell you, that produces the sweetest fruit that blesses God and honors him. We're to bear fruit whatever our age, our health, our background, our hurts, our disappointments, our failures, our successes, whether we're rich or poor. I mean, the psalmist says this, he expects the righteous man or woman to still bear fruit in their old age. That's what it says in Psalm 92. None of us are exempt from this. God wants each one of you this year to bear fruit for him. God's expectation is fruitfulness in godly character and good deeds because Christ dwells in us. It will impact the world around us. You want to be fruitful? You want to be fruitful in impacting your community with the good news of Jesus? Then create an environment for fruitfulness. Be filled with the Spirit every day. Get into the word of God. Seek his face in prayer. Create an environment. Be delighted when God prunes you. Because he's encouraging fruit. Don't resist him. Allow him. Be glad when he's working on you and shaping on you. When, when things don't work out, you ought to be asking, we ought to be a people who ask ourselves, God, what are you teaching me in this? What do I need to learn in this? How, what are you te- how can I be better for you? All too often we're, oh, 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 it's not going well. God, what are you teaching me? What can I learn from this? God wants us, is encouraging us to be fruitful. He prunes us for more fruit. Is there something that you know he wants to cut out of your life at the start of 2018? Is there something you know he needs to prune? Maybe there's something that's been sapping your energy. And you're not as fruitful as you ought to be. And you know you're not. He only prunes us because he wants to make more room for fruit. The evidence of fruitfulness is in the way we live. We live in repentance. We're people who are humble before God. We're people who speak well of God and honor him with our words. We speak well of other people. The fruit of righteousness, the aroma around us is one that's pleasing just because Christ is central in our hearts. Let's keep our eyes fixed on Christ. We will bear fruit whatever the season. Isaiah prophesied this, and we're going to finish with this. 
Maybe the bands will come and join me on stage. Isaiah prophesied this. A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. From his roots a branch will bear fruit. Isaiah was speaking of Christ. He was speaking of a day when actually out of the stump, out of the deadness of of what God's seeming plan of a nation, God's people, out of the deadness of it, God would, out of this dead stump, God would bring a branch. And that branch was Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ came 2,000 years ago, was born into this world. God came to show us that he loved us, provide a way for us to be restored to relationship with him. From his roots, a branch will bear fruit. We are the fruit of Christ. Fruit of Christ's death on the cross, his resurrection from the dead. We're the fruit of it. Change lives. My life has been transformed because Jesus Christ died for me, because Jesus Christ rose from the dead. I'm not the man I was, I was a waster. I had nothing going for me and God took hold of a broken, ruined life and transformed me through Jesus' death and resurrection. And if you're not a follower of Jesus, he can do that for you today. God wants to make us fruitful, but our fruitfulness is in him. Let's stand together. Maybe this morning, we're going to sing a song and as, uh, we're just going to be responding to him as we sing in a moment. But maybe you know God's been speaking to you about fruitfulness and you want this year to be fruitful for you. And as we sing this, I want you just to be reaching out, reaching out to God, saying in your heart, saying, God, make me fruitful. This year, Holy Spirit, come work on me shape me, change me. God, may I be more fruitful for you. Be saying that in your heart as we sing. Maybe this morning you know that God has been specifically speaking to you about something. Maybe there's an area that you know you need to take a step of faith in. Maybe you know that there's an area that God wants to prune. And you want to, as a sign of that, maybe you want to come to the front and we'll get people to pray for you. Whatever you feel you need to do, This morning, this is a moment to say, God, make me fruitful. I want to be more fruitful for you. Maybe last year was a good year. Actually, last year was a great year for me. This year, I want to be more fruitful. This year, I want to be more fruitful. What's your heart cry? God, we stand before you at the start of another year. In some ways, Father, years mean nothing to you. But we stand before you and we say at this moment, we say we want to be fruitful. We want to be fruitful as individuals, but we want to be fruitful as a church, more fruitful. God, come and create amongst us. Create in our lives an environment for fruitfulness. Help us to pursue you, to keep Christ central. This year, oh God, this year, would you prune us for fruitfulness, more fruitfulness. Father, it's winter. Winter season is the time for pruning. Lord, if you need to prune us, we say prune us that we might be more fruitful for you. We want to see the evidence of fruit amongst us. Lives changed. New people come into faith in Christ.
us growing in our relationship with you, becoming more like Jesus. Holy Spirit, come amongst us. Come wind of God. Come blow amongst us right now.